What is wrong with the world? Hi, I'm Mike Mason. This is the St. Joe Society Podcast. St. Joe Society is a Catholic lay apostolate devoted to help men order all things to Christ as they become strong in mind, body, and spirit. If you'd like to check out more about us, you can see us online at stjosephsociety.org. This is the St. Joseph Boot Camp, episode 21. And the question before us today is, what's wrong with the world? Now, last month, we spent the month looking at the fact that there's an urgent need for men to assume the threefold office of priest, prophet, and king that we share with the Lord Jesus through our baptism, our confirmation, and with married men through matrimony. We talked about the fact that men need to embrace this call in order to, to re, re, uh, renew life within the family and the community and the parish as well. However, we emphasized the fact last week that before men can take on the, the mantle of leadership, they have to get their own house in order by taking up what Dill Saver calls the scepter of self-discipline, which is a prerequisite for Christian patriarchy. Now, the London Times once uh, put out a, an inquiry to famous authors, and I threw this question out to authors. What is wrong with the world today? Now, G.K. Chesterton, the famous uh, Catholic author, um, wrote back to the Times and he said this, Dear sirs, you asked what is wrong with the world. I am, sincerely, G.K. Chesterton. Guys, this week we're going to look at the effect that sin, both original and personal, has on us. What we're gonna what we're gonna discover is just what G.K. Chesterton discovered is that when we ask what's wrong with the world, we are. Last month we looked at what it means to be the leader that God's called us to be, but we have to realize that we have this disease, okay, this disease of sin that has to be fixed. So what we're gonna look at um, this month is we're gonna look at sin today, this week, and then in the three coming weeks we're gonna look at God's solution to our sin problem, which is grace. We're going to look at actual graces next week. The third week, we'll look at the um, church's teaching on justification. And then finally, we're going to look at sanctifying grace. So today, we're going to focus on the negative. We'll spend three weeks looking at the positive and the solutions. We're, how we're going to tackle it today is we're going to look at original justice and original sin. Though we went over this in previous episodes, I just want to kind of jog everybody's memory about it. But we'll spend most of the time um, in the lesson today looking at what personal sins are. So let's jump in. Okay, original justice and original sin. Original justice, as you recall, is the condition of Adam and Eve in the garden. Now, we discussed that they were given three gifts, the natural gift of existence, the supernatural gift of sanctifying grace, which we'll discuss at the end of the month, but that's friendship that we have with God. And then they got four preternatural gifts as well. Now, through original sin, okay, for we Catholics, we don't view original sin as like a disease, we uh, like, you know, a tumor, cancer, things like that. We view it more of as a privation. So these gifts given to our um, first mother and father, Adam and Eve, we are we are um, privated of those things. Okay, we're born without them as a punishment for original sin. Now, we keep the natural gift of existence, obviously, because we're still here. But we lose the supernatural gift of sanctifying grace and the four preternatural gifts. Now, the remedy that Christ brings and the church brings to us for our problem with original sin is baptism. Baptism confers the grace of justification, okay? And baptism also affects two basic things. The eradication of sins. So baptism strips us of all of our sin, okay? Eradicates all of it. For adults, 
it eradicates both original and personal sins, all of them. Yeah, they're all gone, mortal and venial. Um, for infants, obviously, it would just be original sin. It also infuses an inner sanctification. So we start to become more holy by infusing sanctifying grace back into our souls. What comes with the sanctifying grace is the infused moral uh, virtues, the, pardon me, infused theological virtues and the infused moral virtues and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which again, we'll look at at the end of the month. So through our baptism, we get all these precious gifts that can help us to get back on track. Okay. Now, what we want to look primarily at today is um, the church's teaching on personal sin. Before we jump in, let's define what personal sin is. And this is out of Prumer's book on the Handbook of Moral Theology. Personal sin is an offense against God committed by a deliberate will of the individual. So notice right there, there's a difference with original sin. Original sin is a privation we're born with. Here we're deprived of something. A personal sin is when you deliberately choose to do a thing. Okay, now original sin makes us prone to do these things, but when we commit personal sins, that's on us. Primer continues. Personal sin is either actual or habitual. Now, habitual sins are those sins you fall into that they're almost sense of feel like they kind of run the show because you have some bad habits. That'd be an example of a habitual sin. So the person in that case is still morally responsible for what they're doing, but maybe a little less so depending on the nature of the habit. Okay. Actual sins are the ones that with full deliberation and full free will that we choose. Actual sins can be sins of thought, word, or deed. Okay. And these are the ones we want to focus on. We'll set habitual sins uh, to a future uh, podcast. So let's look at actual sins, sins of thought, word, and deed. All right. In the Catholic understanding of sin, okay, the true understanding of sin, sin can be broken down into two types. There's mortal sins and there's venial sins. Now, a mortal sin is just as the name describes. It's mortal because it kills the life of the grace in the soul. Venial sins offend the life of grace, but they don't destroy it. So the life of grace, the friendship of God, can persist through venial sin, though it is going to be chipped away and harmed. A mortal sin is distinguished, okay? Now, in order to commit a mortal sin, there's three conditions that have to be verified. Okay, so before you guys go to a, a sacrament of reconciliation, okay, you're going to go into confession. These are the three qualities you would look for to see that if you've committed a mortal sin. The three qualities are grave matter, full knowledge, and complete consent. Let's start with grave matter. Grave matter. Grave matter is specified by the Ten Commandments. Okay, so if you want a nice little list of mortal sins, Ten Commandments have them all in there. And if you get any good examination of conscience, you'll see that under each of the sins of the Ten Commandments, there are sub-sins that fall underneath them. Think of the Ten Commandments not as like specific. There's there's other qualities that fall under it. For, let's say murder, for example. When you murder some, you you might read that, thou shalt not kill, and you're like, well, sweet, I haven't killed anybody, so I'm good to go. What falls under that category is self-harmful things too. So if a guy has a bad habit of, say, getting drunk or overeating, that's a type of killing, okay? Because you're you're killing yourself through not treating yourself properly. Now, those things might just be venial depending on what it is you're doing. But the Ten Commandments, which are the grave matter, there are sins that fall underneath them. So it's a good idea for you guys to get a good examination of conscience that can walk you through all the um, nuanced uh, aspects of each one of those. Okay. Now, one side note on grave matter, because when I teach this to my high school students, it comes up a lot. There are some sins that are, are um, do not admit of what's called slight matter, okay? 
Okay, these are mortal sins that are intrinsically mortal sins. Okay, so lust is intrinsically a mortal sin. Blasphemy is an intrinsic mortal sin. Okay, so anytime you do those things, you've committed mortal sin. There's other things in the Ten Commandments or, or things that fall underneath them that might not be mortal. Okay, so these are what are called slight matter. So it's possible that some things that are listed under the Ten Commandments are not mortal sins. These would be things like, say, theft. Okay. It says thou shall not steal. It doesn't mean any act of stealing is mortal sin. Okay. If you if you take a paper clip from your office building, okay, it's not your paper clip, it's the office's paper clip, but you just take it, okay, that's theft. Um, that is not a mortal sin, okay, for stealing a paper clip. If you embezzle the company for uh, hundreds of thousand dollars, that would count. So slight matter just means sometimes there's aspects of a sin that might not be as bad, and those would fall under venial. That's what that means. So with grave matter, you have to go through each one of those. If you're ever confused about it, you just ask the priest in the confession, and he'll help you work it out. So we have grave matter. That's the other two things you need is full knowledge and complete consent. Okay. Now, full knowledge means you have to know what it is you're doing. Okay. So when you commit a sin, you have to realize this is a sin and I'm committing it. Now, ignorance comes in two kinds. It can be intentional ignorance or unintentional. Okay. Intentional ignorance is when you keep yourself ignorant of a rule because you really want to do whatever it is you want to do. Okay. You are fully responsible for those. Unintentional ignorance is when you truly don't know. Okay. And there's no morally um, um, reasonable way that you could have known that something was wrong. Okay. Because sometimes we do do things that we literally don't know is wrong and we can't be morally held accountable for that. Okay. So when you're doing your examination of conscience, you're going to say, okay, did I do some of the things listed in commandments? Did I, did I know that those aren't okay? Even if like deep down, I was maybe like lying to myself, but deep down, did I know it? That'd be full knowledge. The third is it has to be done freely, which complete consent. Now our freedom can be inhibited. We can have perfect freedom, which means we're just like, everything's good to go. You can have um, a loss of freedom. Okay, so for certain, um, say a person that's uh, criminally insane, we might say that that person's not free to make choices. Okay, that'd be very, very, very real, rare. And you can have what's called imperfect freedom. Sometimes through bad habits and things like that, we do things out of habit that we're not really free not to do them, but we're also responsible for what we're doing. Okay, so there's perfect freedom. You're in perfect command. No freedom whatsoever. Okay, because of some very drastic uh, problem, or you have imperfect freedom where it's kind of a mixed bag. You're responsible. Responsibility can go up and down with those. Okay. And that's a topic we'll go to later. But when it comes to mortal sin, you look at, did, did I commit the grave matter? Did I know what I was doing? And did I freely choose to do it? For most day-to-day -day confessions, if you've committed a grave sin, those three should probably all be pretty clear. What's the remedy to mortal sin? Confession's a remedy. So when you go to confession, You'll make a good confession to the priest, and then he can give you reconciliation for that or absolution. Okay. With all the things I just discussed about those three um, conditions, you can always go to your priest and ask for spiritual advice because he's trained to do that. Okay. So that's mortal sin for us. Let's look at venial sin. All right. A venial sin is an offense against God that lessens our ability to love God. It like chips away at our, our the charity that we possess through our baptism. Okay. Um, but it doesn't destroy it. Okay, here's a quote out of the catechism. Venial sin allows charities to subsist, even though it offends and wounds it. 
Venial sin weakens charity and merits temporal punishment. Okay, so the punishment comes in this life. It doesn't extend to the next one. Okay, what I mean is you don't, you don't, you can't, you're not going to be deprived of heaven. Okay. Um, deliberate and unrepentant venial sin disposes us little by little to commit mortal sin. The danger about venial sins is it's easy for us to think, well, they're just not as bad, so it's not a big deal if I do them. That's false. Because what venial sins is they chip away at your intellect, they chip away at your will, they weaken, um, uh, they inflame your appetites more the more you do them, and it makes it more difficult to make good choices and stay on that narrow path of salvation. If a person starts to get in the habit of committing venial sins, inevitably he'll end up committing a mortal sin. Okay, so venial sins are things that you want to avoid at all costs because they're they're very dangerous and very uh, deadly in time. Okay, they're they're not things that we should take lightly. Now, what's the remedy for venial sin? Thomas Aquinas says this: No infusion of fresh grace is required for the forgiveness of a venial sin. So, for the venial sin to be forgiven, there's no like. You don't have to go to confession to get it done. You don't have to be baptized to get it taken care of. Okay. There's no like fresh infusion. Okay. It is enough um, to have an act proceeding from grace. So the grace that's already in there, it's enough for you to just repent of what you're doing. Okay. So you can detest the venial sin. So let's say you have one too many beers on a Saturday night. You're not drunk. You never lost, you know, you didn't commit mortal sin with it, but you're like, eh, that was one too many. Okay. The next morning when you detest the fact you did that and you resolve not to do that again, you're just cooperating the grace that's already in there. Okay, That is, can forgive venial sins. Um, you can go to, um, there's other ways to do it. You can uh, do works of charity to get rid of venial sin with the grace you already have. You can abstain from things, right? Do a little uh, penance for what you've done. So kind of self-imposed. Okay, so maybe you're eating too much ice cream each night. Okay, a little venial sin. Maybe you take on a penance that so you're not going to eat as much for a while. You can receive Holy Communion in the Eucharist, okay? All of these things are good ways to get rid of it. Now, the church says you're not required to go to confession, but you can. And so the church does encourage us that if we would find it profitable, we should go to confession and confess venial sins because it helps break the bonds those hidden sins have on us. So I'm going to close right there. With, we're going to close with all the bad news. One thing I want to challenge you guys with uh, this month, we have Lent approaching. The challenge this month is to give a confession to Christ. Get a nightly recollection going, a monthly confession, penance, and fasting. And we'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. God bless.